I think people are so wrapped up in the idea that every kid is supposed to be on point with every single milestone that you're supposed to hit. But like, I challenge you to go and take a look at every public school in the whole United States, and you're not going to find one curriculum that's the same from one public school to the next. You're not going to find two kids that retain the exact same information as each other, even though they were taught it, they're not going to retain it. So to have this false this false like thought that your kids are going to fall behind because they might not learn a specific thing in a specific month, I think sets a lot of people up for this idea that their kids are going to fail when it's like, no. Welcome to the Homeschool CEO Podcast, the podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs who want to successfully homeschool their kids while running a profitable business. In this podcast, we'll reveal the truth of what it really looks like behind the scenes of an entrepreneur who homeschools and how to make it all work. If you're an entrepreneur who currently homeschools or you want to start, you are in the right place, my friend. With 16 years experience combining entrepreneurship with homeschooling, I'm your host, Jen Myers, and this is the Homeschool CEO Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Homeschool CEO Podcast. Have you ever faced a crisis in your life and wished you had more freedom and flexibility to really just process life and define success on your own terms? That is exactly what today's guest has done. As a married mom of eight and founder and CEO of the Laptop Life Accelerator, Tara Bashar has achieved success through blending entrepreneurship and homeschooling, all while managing her husband's heart attack, followed by a stroke, a house caught on fire, a child in the NICU, other children with challenges such as diabetes, hearing loss, Down syndrome, and more. That's right, this girl is a master at creating lemonade out of lemons. When, oh, and wait till you hear what her 19-year-old son is up to in the world of entrepreneurship. If you've ever wondered if you could build a business no matter what life throws at you, this is the episode for you. Prepare to be amazed. Let's dive in. All right, Tara, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. All right, y'all. Tara and I have been talking for a few minutes before, so we're going to go back and touch on some things and make sure that we include everything here because this is going to be such an inspirational podcast. But first, I want to go back to the beginning of your freelancing career. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and all of that, and then take us back to how it all got started? Yeah, so I'm Tara, and I am a mom of eight from Minnesota. I actually um, started freelancing. So I freelance and that's what I do now is I help other parents and caregivers uh, to start and grow their business from home or hospital room so that they can be where it matters most. And the reason like that all started was because for me, my freelancing journey happened accidentally. And it was because I didn't want to go back to work after baby number three. Um, My second child had been diagnosed with moderate to severe hearing loss. And so we knew like, and she was, I think she was three at the time, just about to turn four. And so I knew that we were going to be facing a lot of appointments with her. It was going to be audiology appointments and ENT and speech therapy and 
you know, IEP for school because we were doing school at the time. And so then it was like, okay, well now I'm pregnant with baby number three and it's going to, I'm going to end up paying to go to work. And that's, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And so my, one of the doctors at the clinic that I was working at, when I said I was going to, uh, when I told them that I wasn't going to be returning, he actually reached out and said, you know, Hey, I've, I'm moving into my own practice. I need help. Uh, with typing my reports. I did transcription at the time and asked if I'd be interested in doing it remotely. And of course I'm like, yeah. And so I just thought of it like as a second job, the structure was a little bit different, but I didn't have to guarantee it. Like I didn't have to guarantee him a schedule and he just sent work whenever he had it. And then I had like so long to return it back. And so before I knew it though, I realized like that that's actually what it was called was freelancing. And fast forward to 2013, found out we were pregnant with baby number seven. And a week later, my husband at the age of 37 suffered a stroke. And so as you can about imagine, like life was crazy. We didn't know what was going to happen. Like we didn't, we, we had no idea what the effects were going to be from this. And so as we kind of went through that year, things just started crazy happening. Like our dog got run over, my car started on fire. Um, my daughter's car blew up. Like we had all these crazy things happening. And so as we're nearing time for baby to come, we're thinking like, okay, life's got to give us a break, right? Like we've been through all this and now we've got this wonderful bundle of joy coming. Well, life said not so fast. And I went to, to go have my follow-up appointments and the doctor said, like, you don't have any amniotic fluid, like left hardly at all. You need to be induced. And he told me that I needed to go to the near, nearest hospital or I could choose, but he felt it was best if I went to the nearest hospital because he thought I'm the baby might need NICU. So I did, I went and I got induced and everything. And then baby was born and he surprised us with an extra chromosome. And so there was a whole bunch of medical things that ensued with that. And I can come back to him later if you want to discuss him. But what ended up happening was he had to be life lighted to Minneapolis Children's Hospital, which is five hours away from where we live. And so I went down there with him and throughout his first year and a half, we spent probably six months total at the hospital. And I remember one of the times that I was there, well, several times that I was there, but the final time that we were there was for five weeks. It was supposed to be an overnight stay and we were there for five weeks. And one thing that I noticed was there was a lot of kids in the hospital rooms by themselves without parents. And I asked the nurses one day, I said, why are there so many kids here without parents? And she said, well, because mom and dad either ran out of FMLA or they didn't have vacation pay or they just, they had to get back to work. They couldn't, you know, they had to have money coming in. And so they can only come on the weekends. And I remember it being such a sucker punch for me because I'm like, I was able to be there and work in my son's hospital room. Like I had a makeshift office. I brought my computer with me. I did the work. I didn't have to ask for time off. And I'm like, in times of tragedy, the last thing you want to have to worry about is your child and work. And having that work guilt and worrying about bills. And so it was just like this trigger for me, like that all of a sudden, like I knew that I had to do something more, but I didn't know how. And so that sparked then the journey on trying to figure out how can I take what I know and share with other people? How do I get this message out to them that they don't have to choose, that they can actually do both? And so in 2018, 
then I finally, I launched, um, my business, which is Laptop Life Accelerator. And since then, I've been helping um, parents and caregivers and and uh, people even outside of that spectrum realize that they have real actual um, possibilities out there. And they don't have to be trapped in that nine to five. Um, because I personally, like after all the stuff that we've been through, I feel like people should be able to work around their life schedule, not live around their work schedule. And I think we have it backwards. And so that's been my mission and that's how it all came about. (laughs) So. Wow. Okay. That is so powerful. That is so powerful because I had a similar situation as far as we were already running our business and our youngest when he was five was run over by somebody who was texting and driving and spent a week in the hospital. You know, we didn't know if he was going to live or die those first few days. It was really rough. And I remember saying that same thing, like where are all these parents of these little kids just being left? And if, you know, for the moms that do endure that, sometimes that's the life that they have right then. And I don't want to induce any more mom guilt. We all have enough of that, but you're right to build a life that, you know, everything else revolves around our life, not our life is revolving around work or school for that matter. I mean, that's one of the reasons we all homeschool too, is that we're, we're creating our life with intention, right? Exactly. Wow. That is so powerful. Okay. So you had a lot, a lot happen in a short amount of time. Can you take me back and maybe some of that mind, the mindset things that you had to go through that I feel like so many times when life hands us tragedy, we want to curl up in a ball and just say, I give up, I'm done. What do you think really made you different to help you turn those things into something that can mean something and then help you be victorious through that time? So two, okay. So at the time I have a daughter who is um, the same daughter that has the hearing loss. She was actually diagnosed with type one diabetes. And so um, the, and my husband in 2001, the same year that the baby number three was born, he actually had a heart attack and I watched him flatline and they had to defibrillate him. And so we've had a lot of situations where we've faced death. And so when you've come that close to losing someone that you love, like everything you learn to instead, like be, to be grateful for, for even the smallest of things. Like, um, I remember very vividly when I told when the, it was so crazy. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like stumbling over myself because there's just so much to share. Um, totally fine. But, when, but when I was pregnant with baby number seven, I remember telling him after the dog got run over, I remember very specifically telling him maybe something's wrong with the baby and God knew we couldn't handle the dog. I remember telling him that. And it was so bizarre, you know? So, so for me, I've always looked at like, you know, signs of things happening or why things happened the way they do. Um, when my husband had his heart attack, it was crazy. The day that that happened, we had the three kids and he wasn't feeling good that day. He was only 26 years old. And so you wouldn't think anything. I, we just thought he wasn't feeling well. And so I decided to take the three kids and take them to the store and get them out of the house so that he could have some peace and quiet. And I got them to the store and we know sooner walked in the door and I had this feeling, Tara, you need to go home. And I'm like, but I'm already here. Like I just got to quick grab it and run through the checkout and, and go home. And it was just this strong, strong pull. Like you need to go home and you need to go home now. 
And so I took the kids and we walked back out of the store and I got home and my husband was like sprawled out on the floor and he's like, I need to go to the hospital and I need to go to the hospital right now. And so I hurried up, helped get him ready, got him in the vehicle. Cause at this time I didn't know how emergent it was that I should have actually called an ambulance. But I got him in the vehicle, got him to the hospital, and within 10 minutes of being at the hospital, he flatlined. And so I so I've had things like this all the time, like the diabetes, the heart attack, the, you know, I happened to call my mom in the same 10 minutes that she had a brain aneurysm. So it was like I've had all these weird things happen where I almost have premonitions before they happen. And I know that sounds crazy, like it sounds crazy. So for me, when I've had these things happen, I'm always looking for the meaning. I'm always looking for maybe what did I know beforehand or why did this particular thing happen? And so when you are living kind of in that state of always looking for the lesson or always looking for the reason to be grateful, it's easy to be able to like look at it and be like, okay, I'm going home with my child from the hospital and these other parents aren't. And so for me, I don't know, I just felt like I don't have a reason to be upset about the things that I'm going through because at the end of the day, the things that really, really matter, I'm going home with or are still at home with me. And so that is really, I think, where I pull a lot of my strength. I always think somebody has it worse. And I know that some people get offended by that terminology, but that's just the way it is for me. And that's how I get through with my mindset because I, I look at being grateful and being blessed for what I have. And I don't, and I just don't let the little things bother me anymore. So that was a long answer to your question. (laughs) But it's so good. And I think so many of our moms need to hear that. You know, I, was reading a book just a while back and they were talking about going through survivalist uh, training. And one of the techniques that they learned by a Navy SEAL expert, they said, compare down. Rather than always looking about what you don't have, look at it could be worse. It could always be worse. And then also the idea of sometimes people look in the past to find meanings for what happened. But what if our meaning is actually in the future? Like it, it happened to us now so that we could help somebody else in the future. And that, that was a huge mindset shift for me to go, wow, like maybe what we're so busy looking, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Instead of saying, you know, where we really maybe could be focused is how can I use this to help somebody else in the future? And that's really what you did. That is what I did. And it was because I knew, like, for me, it was like, you look around and families might deal with something and some families don't deal with anything. And then there's me, right? Like my husband had a heart attack. He's had a stroke. My kid has down syndrome. I've got a daughter with diabetes and later a second child with diabetes and, you know, the hearing loss. And the, you know, I mean, like, so for me, I was like, why are all these things happening to me? What am I supposed to do with this? Like, there's got to be a reason why, all of these things are happening like to a point where yes, they're serious, but they're not so serious that I'm, that I can't function. Right. So that was the way for me. It was like, what, what am I supposed to be doing with this? Cause you don't just get handed all of these things without there being a reason to, you know, you're supposed to do something with it. At least that was the way that I felt. And then the more I realized that the more like the, um, the idea of what I needed to do wouldn't leave me alone. Like when I first started, it took me a month to get comfortable with doing a Facebook live to my group. And that's how I had to step into 
who I was. Like I, I, it just wouldn't leave me alone. Like I knew that that's what I had to do. And I had to do whatever I had to, to get past the uncomfortable. And so it, it really was, I mean, I think it was, this was the path I was meant to take and it finally hit me. And, and then I, I just, it, it wouldn't leave me alone. Oh, that is so good. It reminds me of, there was a moment in time when I sat down as I was journaling and I was, I was like you, I had all of these weird, bizarre experiences. And then it was like, God and the universe quilted them together in this beautiful patchwork quilt, all of these squares that didn't seem to make sense until they were all laid by say side by side and had the batting put on the backside and quilted together. And then we became homeschool CEO. Now I look back and I think, I remember that. That helps one person. That helps another person. And when it becomes this incredible, beautiful tapestry, that's when we really step into what we're meant to do. So where does homeschooling come into this whole place? So, you know, you had all of these tragedies. Did you decide to, because you didn't homeschool all of your kids, correct? Or did you homeschool all of the kids? No. So my older three went to school, mostly school. We started to venture into like virtual public school, like many years ago with my oldest kids before, you know, a lot of people knew that it was a thing. Uh, we started venturing into that, but it wasn't until my son with Down syndrome was born. And this is kind of the crazy thing. So as I said, my husband had his stroke in March and then the baby was born um, in November. And throughout this whole journey, like I, I can think back and be like, you know what, like my husband's stroke happened so that he could be home with the kids so that I could be at the hospital because it wouldn't have happened any other way. And my son would have died if I wouldn't have been at the hospital. But what also happened throughout that was that when I was, when I was at the hospital throughout all these stints, first of all, some of those hospital stays happened because the kids brought home germs from school and then the baby got sick and we ended up in the hospital. And so that was part of it. The other part of it was that, you know, here's my husband at home. He's still trying to recover and he's still trying to take care of kids and trying to run the household. Right. And I remember being super annoyed by like, just this, this just sounds so dumb, but like, you know, you'd get like those theme weeks at school where they have like every day they got to bring stuff and they don't tell you necessarily until like that week or whatever, like, you know, and anyways, so here's my husband. He's trying to manage all the kids and I'm at the hospital five hours away and he, my kids are supposed to like be bringing all of these things to school or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? Our family is like in the middle of tragedy and crisis and stress. And now we have to worry about all of these things that we've got to get and bring to school and make sure they got lunch money and make sure they got their clothes and make sure they read their book and make sure they do their homework and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, my husband's trying to do this all on his own while recovering from a stroke and the kids are bringing home germs and getting sick. And so that is really what sparked the whole, the whole thing for me and actually going for it. I had already been thinking about it because we tried the virtual schooling and I never really actually looked into what homeschooling consisted of until I was at the hospital for those five weeks. I started researching it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this makes so much sense. And it just works with my personality. And my, I kind of buck this system a little bit with school. And I've, I've just kind of always had like that, 
that attitude towards like what they do just doesn't make any sense. Like generals should, you know, the electives should be generals and the generals should be electives. And like, that is my whole, you know, so I'm like, it just doesn't make any sense. So finally I told my husband, I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of the germ fest coming home. We've got all these unknowns, whatever. And so I pulled the plug and I pulled them all out. And then, and then, so my son then, um, he, so my two oldest daughters went to school, did the school thing. My third son went to school through eighth grade and then I pulled him. And then the fourth kid went through first grade and then he was pulled. Um, that, that was in the same year. Um, and then the rest have been home ever since. And I haven't, and then my, my like thoughts of homeschooling and just seeing like the good that it's done for our family and the difference I can see in my kids and their, even their personalities. And it's just like they'll, as far as I have anything to say about it, they'll never step foot in a school again. I mean, that's just kind of where I come at, come at that with <laughs> that attitude. So, well, you're in good company because that's all of homeschool CEO. You know, I feel like so often we're by ourselves, you know, we don't quite fit into the entrepreneur world because we have, you know, a whole group of kids with us and we don't quite fit into the homeschooling world because the majority of them don't have aspirations to be entrepreneurs, which is totally fine. But because we combine both of them, you know, we create this freedom and flexibility for the entire family, not just us as entrepreneurs, not just, you know, like with you being a freelancer, being able to work from wherever, but they also get to learn from wherever and we get to travel and do all of these things. And when you're in the middle of a crisis, you still get to function as a family and it doesn't add one more stressor to you. Yeah. And that is what happened Yeah, um, because we obviously had some other things go on. And, and it, even with this pandemic, like everybody else was scrambling and like nothing changed for us, you know, and not to say that anybody could predict that, but it was still, it was like, they, they, they just, they were already set. They were already where they needed to be. And so it was, they didn't really have to worry about that part of it, which was nice to see that they didn't have that stress that other kids were going through. So I want to unpack one part that you just said, because you started homeschooling really during a crisis. And mm-hmm. a lot of our new families are basically doing that, you know, they're in the middle of a crisis. Some of them have had job losses from a spouse, but they run their own business or because of the pandemic or all, all of the things that are shifting right now in our economy and culture and world. What did you find? Like, if you could go back and talk to somebody who was going to start homeschooling during a crisis what advice would you give them? Honestly, to give yourself grace. Like I think people are so wrapped up in the idea that every kid is supposed to be on point with every single milestone that you're supposed to hit. But like, I challenge you to go and take a look at every public school in the whole United States. And you're not going to find one curriculum that's the same from one public school to the next. You're not going to find two kids that retain the exact same information as each other, even though they were taught it, they're not going to retain it. So to have this false, this false, like thought that your kids are going to fall behind because they might not learn a specific thing in a specific month, I think sets a lot of people up for this idea that their kids are going to fail when it's like, no, people forget that we're in the information age right now. And that if they don't pick up something and I mean, I went to school, I was a public school kid. And even now today I'm learning stuff that I probably was taught in school, but because it didn't interest me at the time, I didn't pay any sort of attention to it. I, I was taught it, didn't, I didn't retain it, but 
you know what? I got Google at my fingertips and I can look up something like that. And guess what? I didn't have to memorize it and regurgitate it to know. So that's kind of my <laughs> thought process on it. So in the, if you're in the midst of something, give yourself grace. Like your kids aren't going to get behind. They got Google. So yes, yes. Preach. We have, I have told so many people that I'm so glad there's somebody else sitting here beside me to say the same thing. I'm like, even if you don't teach your kid anything this year, just relax. It's going to be okay. They're not going to get behind. The reality is you don't, like you said, you can go from one public school to another and they're all different. And kids, even in the same, in the same classroom are learning at different rates. You know, you have one that's three quote unquote grades behind and somebody like my one son who was four grades ahead, you know, they're all over the board. All right. So before we started recording, we were talking about one of your children in particular. So I kind of want to go back and chat about that child. You said in our previous conversation that you really embraced child-led learning and let him kind of take the Can you kind of walk me through when you started that and his journey along and where he is today? Yeah. So um, it was interesting. So my son went to a private school, actually, he went to Catholic school because, and the reason that happened was because he, it was all day, every day kindergarten. They didn't have that at the public school at the time. And so he went and, and he, you know, he, he was great with being social, but he just didn't like the academics, obviously like kids. And, but what was funny was that when he would be at school and he would be hanging out with his friends, like he would want to have business meetings. Like he would even have like neighborhood business meetings in like, that's what they would do when they would get together. And like when he would want gifts, he would actually one year wanted a cash register. Like he just loved anything business. Like you get him a label maker. He was in heaven, a printer, like, Oh, like that. So it just, that's I knew eventually he was going to be of a business mind. And I'll get to that in a minute, but um, he was very, very ambitious. So he started, you know, he had two paper routes when he was 10. Uh, he started mowing lawns, like he was bringing in a lot of money. And so when he was 15, there was actually a house two doors away from ours that opened up that had been a rental and the owner decided to sell it. And my mother-in-law or my son's grandma was the person that did the property management for this rental company. And they, and it was a small house, like really small house. And he decided he wanted to sell it. And my son was like, you know, grandma, I want to buy this house. I have money to put a down payment. Like I can make payments to you. I have a job. And so she decided to cut a deal with her boss and he sold her the house and my son put the down payment down. And then what we ended up doing was because he was homeschooled by that point, I had pulled him out of school and we were homeschooling. We decided to turn the house into like a homeschool project. So he actually had to do all the budgeting for it. He paid all the bills, like the utilities and everything. He did some, the remodeling, he put in appliances, he put in furniture, like he did all the things that he needed to do to, to have this house. And what actually ended up happening though, was he had gotten a fidget spinner from the county fair and he had it sitting in the house and apparently it was pushed up against something. And so it kept spinning and spinning and spinning until it caught fire. 
and he ended up having a fire in here and I'm actually in this house right now. Um, he had a fire and so pretty much all the money that he had put into it, everything was ruined. Luckily there was, you know, renter's insurance and he was able to get, you know, his money back, but he didn't want to put it back into the house again because he was getting older and he knew he was going to be moving on. Um, and so he actually ended up as we finish out his school career with homeschooling. Um, and this goes back to what we were just talking about with school. So his age, everyone says, Oh, they need algebra. Well, I'm one of those people that's just like algebra. What do we need it for? So instead I taught him business math. So he learned about assets and liabilities. And, you know, we did like Dave Ramsey's like financial piece about loans and good credit and all of those things. Like that's what we did for his math. And at the age of 18, he actually went and purchased his first restaurant. He was able to get a loan through the small business administration. He got a, he bought his first restaurant. He was running it in South Dakota, then decided he wanted to be closer to home. So he bought a second location. Um, and so what's kind of neat, we haven't found any like, cause you can Google, right? We've looked to see if there's any other two time business owner, like a 19 year old, we haven't been able to find one. So um, when the newspaper, local newspaper did an article on his restaurant, they actually said he may very well be the youngest two-time business owner in the United States, which is pretty cool. And we haven't been able to find anything to debunk it or prove it otherwise. But so he's running two restaurants in two different states, has employees and everything. So um, that's what happens when you allow your, your kids to learn by what they're interested in and let them dive into the topics that that they have a passion for um, instead of trying to guide them towards what we think they should be learning. I think that's a lot of the reasons why we hear the statistics that once people are done with high school or college, they never pick up a book again because they were forced to read. And I'm just like, I don't know what good that does them either. So that's, yeah, that's our story. <laughs> so. Wow. You know, I would actually, I would love to have him on the podcast as well. I have a I was telling my husband last week, I have this desire to do an entire series on children that become, you know, entrepreneurs that have been homeschooled. There's like five or six of them that I'm like, these are the people I want on the podcast. And I would love to have him. We'll talk about that later. But, um, okay. So he's 19. He owns two restaurants. That's amazing. Y'all, I have a 21 year old and he also has his own business. And I, I, it's because he was raised by an entrepreneur and I let, I just let him go. But as a mom, sometimes it can be hard to let go of those reins and let them become who they are without us saying, this is who we want you to be. So I know that not so much with my 21-year-old, but with my one who's 22, she's a tattoo artist and owns her own shop. And when she was little, I struggled with that. And I said, don't you want to be like a graphic designer? And she said, no. She's very successful. She's debt-free. She does very, very well. But part of that also was letting her take control of her own education and learn art. I mean, that's what she did for hours on end. So did, once you pulled your son out of school, because how old was he when you pulled him out? Eighth grade. So 14, I think. Okay. Did he still, like, did he already have a thirst for learning or did he come out of the school system going, I don't want to learn anything else about school? 
Um, he actually had a thirst for learning the things that he was like, he would literally get obsessed over a topic. Um, he was very into animals. And if he started thinking like he wanted to have a certain animal, like he would research and he would do everything to learn about that particular animal. Uh, and same thing, obviously with the restaurant business, like he, once he realized like that, that's what he wanted to do. He dove in, I mean, to figure out exactly what he needed to do, what were the steps, how are you going to do it? And so, um, he wasn't into the forced learning, like he didn't want to be forced to learn, but when he had the free reign to learn what he wanted, like he dove right in. That's amazing. Did you ever struggle with other people, like family members who maybe had a more traditional educational background? ever making comments or challenging you or questioning your decision to let him learn what he wanted to? Um, so I did a little bit, I got a little bit of pushback kind of from my dad. I mean, my dad is a wonderful, wonderful man. He, he was never mean about it or never, you know, like was never disrespectful. I was fortunate not to have to deal with that. Cause I know some people do. Um, but he very much would be like, well, you know, what about like, what about school? Like, what about his diploma? What about like how, does that work? You know, if he's not learning the things that they, that are expected of them, he still asks that today, even uh, with my other kids and, and particularly with my son with down syndrome, because he's like, you know, are you capable of teaching him? I'm like, uh, uh, I taught him how to walk and eat and use utensils and stay alive. Like, I think I'm capable of teaching him the other things too. Um, and so he, he questions it just because he doesn't understand it. Um, I think that's really the biggest thing is he just doesn't understand it. So, but when he, when he asks, he gets some answers, let me tell you. <laughs> so, um, I, I just let people know, like when I explain it, like, I think I explain it pretty decently as to why I feel the way that I do. Um, and he, you know, he'll back off, but then he'll ask again the next time. So I, I go through a similar situation. Yes, I completely understand. And I've learned to just keep restating the answers because you're right. They don't understand. They're scared. They don't, uh, they don't know. And they're also the people who are asking all have employee type jobs. So they're looking for that security. And in their world, a degree means security. And so they're, they're not quite understanding. I'll just say my dad was a farmer actually. So he's an, he's an entrepreneur. So he didn't come at it from that. It was just more like, like just traditional, like you should, you're supposed to have an education and you should have that piece of paper. Uh, I just wanted to reiterate that because he didn't come from the J from the J-O-B world. So you would think he would have been a little bit more open to the idea of, of learning a different way, but. Do you think that. Do you think that comes from that generation? Because we're about, we're about the same age. So our parents are probably similar age. It's that, you know, baby boomer generation that, you know, they really were drilled into them that it's an education and a paper. And yeah, that makes sense. So looking back, what do you think was your biggest challenge balancing or managing? We don't really talk about balance, but managing entrepreneurship with homeschooling. Um. Honestly, I think for me, it's that I, because I understand that regardless of what I teach them, things are going to pivot for them as they get exposed to new things. So I'm not 
I think for me, the hardest part is probably staying disciplined on the fact that, that they should have a curriculum to some extent um, because they, I mean, they should know the basics, right? And so I do teach them the basics and I do still struggle because I am a public school person myself and I came from that. I still struggle with the idea, like even though I know this is the best route and I know that, that you know, here's my son, he went off to be successful and my 12-year-old is also an entrepreneur. And so like, even though I know these things, I still struggle with the idea that like, I'm letting them interest based learn and I'm, and I'm not pushing the academics like their friends, you know, are. So I think I do struggle with that a little bit is just still allowing myself to, to be okay with what we're doing, even though I know it's perfectly fine, but that's so ingrained in us. It's so ingrained in us that school is the only way. And so even though I know it's not, I still fight it all the time. Oh, you and me both. Yep. (laughs) Like, I feel like, am I, but I think this is every parent, you know, like, oh, am I screwing up my kid? Am I going to screw them up? Am I, you know, like we deal with that because obviously we want to make sure that we, we do everything. So it's like, for me with the entrepreneurship thing though, like I'm letting them watch me build a business and watch me serve my clients and serve from my passion. And like, that's what I'm trying to give them. Um, but trying to do that while still like, I mean, you understand, you know what I'm trying to say? Like <laughs> it's, I know what's best, but I'm still stuck in that mindset a little bit. So I, I'm, I'm battling myself every day between the entrepreneurship and between the homeschooling and, and trying to be, be free and away from that while still trying to like argue with myself that no, it should be the other way. So, you know what, but that's honesty because I think we all have some part of us that challenges us and that inner critic that says we're not doing enough or what if we mess up our kid? Like you said, like that is a real fear, especially in the homeschool CEO world, because we have so many things on our plate because we are running our business and we have chosen to homeschool our kids. And a lot of us have that, you know, just that questioning deep down that says, what if maybe we're not enough? What if we can't do both? And I'm, but that's why I'm so thankful for our community to show example after example of women like you who are crushing it at business and homeschooling and being an amazing mom and wife and friend and daughter. And that, you know, it's not an either or lifestyle. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful for people like you who are serving as inspiration in our community to show, like to show the homeschool CEO world. I mean, we have people from all over the world going, oh my goodness, you know what? I have a kid with Down syndrome. Can I run my own business and homeschool? Guess what? Tara just told us you can. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, too, for me, it's like knowing all these possibilities out there because obviously I'm helping people freelance. So when I sit down with them, I'm like, these are all the things you can do. Like, what are your skills? Let's find you a career that you can utilize with your passions and your skills. Like, that's what we do. And so knowing, like, because I know all these possibilities are out there and I know that my kids don't need to have a college degree. I know that they don't have to, um, you know, work their way up the ladder to make a lot of money. Like, because I know these things, I think that's where, like, it affects me and the whole, like, balance between the school and the entrepreneur thing, because I know all these things. And so a typical parent would be like, you got to finish all your schoolwork to get good grades, to go to college, to whatever. But because I'm in this whole other realm over here, like 
I know they don't even have to have a high school diploma and they can go and make five figures a month. Like I understand this. And so I think for me, like that's maybe what I was trying to say when you asked me that last question, I think that might be where I have that hard balance because I understand, you know, like my 12 year old, like he goes and he has like tons of lawns to mow in the summer and tons of yards and driveways to snow blow in the winter. Like he's making money, you know, like he hasn't graduated. He doesn't have a high school diploma and he's probably pulling in more money than some people who work a full-time job, you know? I mean, so that's, that's really where I think maybe my true struggle comes in is because I know they don't need all that stuff to be successful. That's true. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. They don't. And I think as parents, it's our job to love them and support them and encourage them to align their natural bent and their natural talents and then become a master at that and then figure out a way that that fulfills them and helps them, you know, that they can monetize and support themselves doing it that way. Yeah, 100%. This has been such a great interview. One last question. If you could go back to the beginning of when you made that decision that you were already building, you were already freelancing and you made the decision to homeschool and really blend the two worlds that make us homeschool CEOs. What is one bit of advice that you would go back and tell your earlier self? Again, it would be to, because when I first started homeschooling, I thought that I had to recreate school at home. Um, I think that's where a lot of us go right away when we decide to homeschool is that we think that we have to recreate school at home. And so if I could go back and tell myself anything, it would be like, no, you don't want to create school at home. <laughs> you want yes. to homeschool, which means incorporate learning into everything. I think that was one of the things that I had to really learn was that, I mean, when you're cooking, that's science and it's, you know, you're, you, and math. And, and when you're going, even just driving in the car, like that's geography and it's science and it's like to when you can start pulling all of life's experiences and pull them into actually schooling that's homeschooling it isn't opening up a book and just learning strictly from this book and so that is probably what I would tell myself the number one thing I would tell myself if I went back was just just don't waste your time trying to recreate school oh such good advice all right Tara tell our audience where they can connect with you online yeah. So if I have a Facebook group where that is where the people who are looking to freelance congregate, uh, the Facebook group is called Laptop Life Accelerator. You can check it out there. Or if they want to read more about me and my story, they can go to tarabushaw.com. Perfect. And we'll be sure to link all those up in the show notes as well. Well, Tara, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This has been fantastic. Thank you for having me. It has been fun. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I hope more than anything that it encouraged you to know that you can build a thriving business and homeschool no matter what curveball life throws you. And if you want to connect with more homeschool CEOs that are also homeschooling while building thriving businesses, come join us at the Homeschool CEO community, our free Facebook group. Learn more at homeschoolceo.com. I'll see you there. 
Hey friend, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I really appreciate it. And for more information on connecting with other homeschool CEOs just like you, be sure to check out our website at www.homeschoolceo.com. And as always, Team Homeschool CEO, you ladies inspire me. Thank you for always showing others what is possible. You guys are awesome. See you next week.